Hi, I'm Adam Burton, the pastor at Central Baptist Church. Thank you for checking out this sermon. I pray that it encourages you and helps you to grow closer to Jesus. While as grateful as I am for you, please don't allow this message to keep you from connecting with a local church. If you're in our area, we would love for you to check us out at Central Baptist Church. God bless. We're welcome to 2023. You know what, in some ways it seems like it's hard to believe that we've made it through another year. In other ways, it seems like the last year has just flown by. But huh, I don't know about you, but I am grateful that God has uh, given uh, me not just another year to live, but another year to thrive and to live for Him. But you know, as the new year comes, it's common for people to to make New Year's resolutions. Things that we decide that maybe, you know, either we need to completely change our lifestyle, or maybe there's some things that we might need to improve on in order to, you know, to, to you know, be the best that, that we can be. And uh, you know, I have a feeling that, um, you know, based on, you know, numbers and just uh, an Americans as a whole, that one of the, 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 the most uh, um, prominent resolutions that people make is that to, for their health. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that we should uh, be concerned about uh, the food that we eat and exercise. And in fact, just studies have shown us that, um, it, that right now in America, that 155 million Americans are considered overweight. That 71% of our American population would be considered overweight, and we're not going to get into the, the details of that. But, but sadly, there's people that you know that that um, not just capitalize on that, but um, but tend to exploit those statistics as well. Every year, more than $66 billion is spent on weight loss products, whether that's gym memberships, fitness programs, and even diet pills. And research shows us that 43 million Americans are going to start a diet or weight loss program this year. How many of those do you think will make it? Well, if... Statistics are our guide here. We'll see that 90 to 95% of those people who embark on that weight loss journey will fail at some point. Some maybe have already failed and we're, I don't know, not even 12 hours into the new year. But most people will fail within the first few months. And look, we have aggressive advertising out there that makes us, in part, to feel bad about who we are and the way that we are. They and they try to convince us that our only hope is, is in their product and everything else is the wrong way to do it, but they've got it all figured out. And, and you know what? Look, weight loss is hard. Getting in, in shape is hard, but not, not their product. They make it easy on you. You know what you're going to find? That happiness that you've been looking for, those washboard abs that you desire and you know what they're going to say? Yeah, it's going to cost you. You might have to mortgage your house to pay for it, but it's going to be worth it in the long run. But in digging into some of these outlandish claims that these advertisers make, uh, in 2011, the Federal Trade Commission, they, they did a study that they found that, that more consumers are victims of fraudulent 
weight loss products than any other fraud out there. Now, some of the products are just, you know, just a complete waste of money, but others are dangerous. In the 1990s, right, we had the, the new miracle weight loss pill that promised to help you to lose weight by reducing all of the side effects of those, those dangerous pills that are out there. And many people who took FinFin did lose weight. Lost it rapidly. But the problem is, in 1997, it was discovered that FinFin caused heart valve disease and, and pulmonary hypertension or high blood pressure. People die because they took this new safe weight loss pill. But one that I found almost just kind of on the ridiculous side of it, in 2012 and 2013, there was a direct mail campaign advertising this new pill that, that in fact, it blocked the calories that you would absorb. And so in their advertisement, they, they said that, you know, if you were to eat a, a plate of spaghetti, it would be about 750 calories that your body would absorb. And we know that the more calories, the, you know, the bigger that we get. But not if you took the red pill. You took the red pill, what it did is it blocked those calories. You only absorbed 75 calories. Anybody in for that? Basically, you could eat whatever you wanted to, and man, it's almost like I'm not gaining any weight at all. But it sounds a little too good to be true, doesn't it? It's interesting is the name of the company who, um, who made this weight loss pill uh, no longer around, but it's called the Freedom Center Against Obesity. Now, they wouldn't misrepresent their product at all, would they, in order to make a quick buck? I mean, would you pay $79 for a, a bottle of pills if you were guaranteed to lose 30 pounds? I would. Especially if on the advertisement, it says, this is proven by clinical studies and medically backed. But in reality, the Freedom Center Against Obesity was fined by the FTC for making false claims and had to remove their product from the market. But how can so many people fall for weight loss scams every year? You know, I bet if we were to ask those victims. You know, they would say that, you know, I, I, I should know better. I should have known better. But these companies, they play on our felt needs. They, 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 they help us to, they, this desire for us to, to, to feel better, to look better, maybe to live longer. And they, and they try to make it easier for us. And time after time, we have failed. And and who want, doesn't want to see maximum results with, with little effort? You know, false advertising is, is a major problem. It costs us our, our hard-earned money and even our lives. You know, well, we could use a biblical term to describe what this false advertising is, and we would say that it is heresy. While our physical health is important, we should know that there aren't any magic pills that, that aren't going to make you look like a fitness model. But even more important than our physical health is our spiritual health. 
the Bible tells us to, that we are to, to guard ourselves against false teachings. But you might wonder, why does it really matter if somebody believes wrongly about the, the Bible? I mean, right? who am I to judge what, what someone should or shouldn't believe? How does that really affect, affect me? I mean, besides, really, I mean, what's most important in the world is, is that, that we're good people, and that we live happy and fulfilling lives. If you do that, you're going to find success in everything, right? But, but why does it matter if someone believes wrongly about the Bible? reality, it's a matter of life and death. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28. He says, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28 says, and do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both the soul and body in hell. You know, we talk about receiving eternal life as, as Christians and that we, we get to, to spend eternity in, in heaven, and that's absolutely, absolutely true. But usually we don't talk about everybody having eternal life. No, I'm not preaching the heresy of universalism here. No, Jesus speaks of hell in Matthew chapter 25, verse 46, and he says, and these who go away into what? Into eternal punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. Paul speaks of hell in this way in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. It says, in a flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His might. Before we get into today's passage in Colossians chapter 2, I want you to let this sink in. In fact, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to to Colossians 2, but I want you to, to think about this. When we say that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. We're almost like the advertisers who are on TV that say, look, it, it doesn't matter, whatever, just eat what you want. All you have to do is take this little red pill and, and you'll lose weight. It's false advertising, but it's worse than that for it has eternal implications. I mean, it's one thing to say, you know, look, I don't care what you believe when it's somebody that you don't know or honestly somebody you don't even like, although I would disagree with that because right, we're, we're told in, in Scripture that we're to love everyone and yet maybe somebody's a different political party or chooses a different lifestyle to live. We, we say, well, look, that's them. This is not us. We should just let them do whatever they want as long as, as what they do doesn't affect me. Do you realize what we're saying when we say that? That if we believe in the gospel, if we believe in Scripture, when we say that, what we're saying is that 
knowing that they will suffer punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. Those aren't my words. So the words of the Apostle Paul. How loving is that? I want to get even more real this morning. One where it's going to hit all of us, even me probably more than most. For why is it so important that we believe the Bible and reject false teaching? Well, if you're a parent, I want you to just to kind of you don't have to, if you want to, close your eyes. I want you to picture right now your, your son or your daughter. Your grandparent. Picture your grandson or your granddaughter. And if you don't have kids, picture those that you're close to. See their faces. See the, the resemblance of you. Maybe you can picture their mannerisms and their actions good glimpse of who they are. I want you to take a moment and imagine hell. The heat, the flames, the the pain that that is there. Does that change our perspective? (laughs) Honestly, it, it should. Regardless whether it's our flesh and blood or another image bearer of God. Because the stakes are great. The Bible tells us that we live one life and after that comes judgment. The judgment is either we will go to heaven or we will spend eternity in hell. But the world teaches, we live in this performance culture that we, we have to do everything on our, our own. That if we, and one of the greatest modern day heresies that we face is that, that if you're just good enough, then God will let you in. I'm going to tell you, that's, Pretty much every religion out there teaches that, except Christianity, except the Bible. For it's Jesus who takes on our burdens, and he took it to the cross. Read with me here. Colossians chapter 2, begin in verse 6. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, to walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled with in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, 
having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God and raised him, who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. For he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over him. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. And these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, you submit to regulations. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. Now these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting a self-made religion and asceticism and the severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. God bless the reading of his holy word. This message this morning I've titled Walking in Faith. And we are going to deal with false teaching or, or heresy, but this is going to be a little different than a, a Bible study. If we were in a Bible study format, we would kind of go in detail in these different heresies and kind of help explain them things to, to look at. But but what I find, especially when we talk about false teaching and false doctrine, is, is it's easy to get lost in the weeds and miss the main point. But it does help us to understand what is a, a, a false teaching, a false doctrine, a heresy. Author Tim Chalice explains it in this way. He says that false doctrine or content or teaching originates with man. That's the origin of it. It's not grounded in the Bible, which is our authority, and it contradicts portions of Scripture, the consistency. Because such doctrine is unsound, it's quality, it is unhealthy, the benefit, and unprofitable, the value for us, and we are responsible for rejecting it. That is our responsibility. Now, the best way to fight false doctrine. It's not so much by being an expert in all of the false doctrines out there, for I don't know anybody that could make that claim. Because there's new ones all being brought up all of the time. Though the best way to know what is false is to know what is true. And the good news for us is it is far simpler for us to know the truth than it is to know all of the falsehoods. And when we are 
rooted and grounded in the truth, then we will be able to fight off, be able to correct, be able to um, guard against the false teachings, both in the church and those that were the pressures that we face outside of the world. The first thing that we must do as believers in order to to guard ourselves against heresy is believe in the gospel. I know, look, in a room this size and and in our in you know good church going people that have been in church most of their lives, we already know the gospel. You spend decades in Sunday school being taught the good news of Jesus. You walk the eye. You've been baptized. You have read your Bibles. You. And you study the word. But you notice that I didn't use the term know the gospel. There's a difference between knowing the gospel and and believing the gospel. For when we believe the gospel, the gospel becomes our identity. Last names are kind of given to us as as who we belong to. All right, my children bear my last name Burton. They are my children, and in fact, in India, it's even even more pronounced than than that. The the children, your last name is the first name of the father. So, the children have the first name of their father, and if there is a male child, when he has a children. His children, their last name will be his first name. Why? Because that's how culture identifies us. We are identified by by our our, our parents. And, And for us, as believers in Christ, our identity is not rooted in our individuality. What we bring to the table, no, it is in the leveling ground of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that takes place first and foremost when we are regenerated, when, 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 when we, through the, the, the wound of the Holy Spirit, comes into us and, and Jesus calls us to salvation, to the knowledge, understanding of the gospel, but also to the committing of our lives to follow Him. So when we believe in the gospel, we are united to Jesus Christ. And we see in this passage in Colossians chapter 2 how, how Paul defends this attack on the, the, the early church there in Colossae. For the, the false teachers had infiltrated into this new young church and and what they, they said is that, that you needed, in order to be saved, you needed to be circumcised. You needed to go through a physical, medical procedure in order to be identified with Jesus Christ. Now, that is true of the Old Testament. Right? Circumcision was more than just a, 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 a physical um, you know, manipulation that one would would go through. No, that it was the defining marker of, of the people of God. It didn't just happen to a young men. I hated to be one of the older uh, gentlemen that would have to go through that, but they did so. 
because that is what united them to God. But in the New Testament, in the New Covenant that we have in Jesus Christ, there is a a different identifying marker of that. Verses, um, pick it up here in verse uh, 11. It says, In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. We are Baptists. And we are peculiar in how we view baptism. We believe in believers' baptism. Look, the water does not save us. But sometimes I think we can kind of discount the importance of baptism as well. I say, well, if it doesn't save you, then what's the, what's the big deal about getting baptized? Why, why, why should we? And I mean, the easy answer is because the Bible tells us to do so. But there's more than that. It is an identifying marker of an inward transformation. You know what? I can say that I believe something all I want, but if I don't see any outward expression of that, then how do you know? How can people look into our hearts? Nobody can. But when we are baptized, what that is, is that is a public declaration to the world of saying, who I belong to. It's your testimony. It is a picture of of what has taken place inside of us. So for those of us who believe the gospel, not just understand it, but we will unite ourselves with Christ through obedience in, in baptism. But even more so, Jesus or Paul goes on to explain how we are saved, how we are united with Christ. He uses this language of, of forgiveness. Now, I think we water down the meaning of forgiveness in today's culture. We kind of look to forgiveness as just a, a means of just saying, I, I'm sorry. And, and then we just kind of forgive and we forget what happened. But but Paul here uses forgiveness in, in a different sense. He, he uses it in this idea of the canceling of debt. Remember back last year, the, the, uh, the Biden administration said that they were going to have a student loan, what did they call it? Forgiveness program. And what did that do? It canceled all of the debt. Now, it's has not occurred yet. It is held up in litigation. We'll see what happens with that. But, but that's what forgiveness is. It's the canceling of, of debt. Now, you might think, wow, that's great. They're just going to wipe everybody's debt away, all those students that No, it doesn't quite work like that. Because guess what? Somebody's got to pay for that debt. This isn't an economics class here, but 
but the, it's even more so true for our salvation. So for us to believe in the gospel, realizing that, that God says, I forgive you for the worst thought that you've ever had, for the worst deed that you've ever committed. He says, I forgive you. He's not just saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay, just forget about it. No, he canceled the debt that you owed him. We owed him our lives. Somebody had to pay for it. It wasn't the taxpayers. It wasn't the other Christians. No, it was his only son, Jesus. I love what it says here. Verse 14 says, by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He didn't take our, 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 our debt note that <laughs> we got at the bank and any nailed it to the cross. The nails were pierced his son and his hands and in his and his feet, and he said, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame. But he did so. He says that in, in the book of Hebrews, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the world tries to shame us. Maybe not openly, but they don't understand this idea of forgiveness in part because they have never experienced it themselves. But, but Jesus is the one who bore our shame. He bore our he triumphs over those who are against the gospel. So we, the first step to defend or to, 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 to combating false teaching in here is for us to believe the gospel. Or typically, if you speak to heretics, heretics, they are very proud, puffed up, as Paul speaks of in this passage. But when we see what took place on the cross, we can't help but be humbled. But we are also to walk in the gospel. We're to walk in the gospel. We're to believe it, but we must walk in it. Beginning of our passage in verse, uh, uh, verse 6. It says, therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord. And it says, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, Jesus is our foundation. He is the foundation, and, and we have been separated 
we've separated in, in the world from, from loving Jesus and following him. I mean, you may have heard, well, you know, look, I love Jesus, but I still like to, and then just enter whatever sin that you want to put in there. But we truly love Jesus when we follow him. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? Look what he says himself in Matthew chapter 16. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him what? Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Whoever saves his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? What, what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with the angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly, I say to you, There are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming into his kingdom. Real simply, to follow him, to walk in faith, is to deny ourselves and live for Christ. This is how we reject the false teachings in the world. It's how we guard ourselves against the infiltration of false teaching in our churches. But it also gives us the confidence to know that whether it is our own children or grandchildren, our neighbors or those that we can't get along with and disagree with, that the gospel It's the most inclusive thing in the world. Where you don't have to have $79 to buy a red or a blue pill. You don't have to afford a gym membership or get surgery. But the promise of the gospel is not an empty promise. For it has already taken place. And it is available to anyone who repents and believes in Jesus Christ. For those of us that are believers, I came across Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and I love the way that he laid it out. Things as we embark on this new year, for us to guard ourselves and to, and to live and walk in faith. And he said this, he says, be strong in the word of God. And keep worshiping Christ. Refuse all substitutes and resist all substitutes. And don't be afraid to risk living your life unshackled. May we fear no one but the Lord. The good news is, is that if we are in Christ, that He is with us and He will guide us in Thank you for listening to this message. To listen to other messages and to learn more about Central Baptist Church, visit our website at cbcmaysville.com.